but I was first exploring these uh, this visualization stuff at that time. So I was like, okay, you know, what do you perceive? And she was in, inside of her body, but as she pushed up, it kind of faded out to black. I thought, well, that's easy. Let's just reverse that, you know, have it get brighter as you push up. So she visualized that three times, then she busted out like two or three reps. So she went from not being able to do it to do it. So I explored this with other people, just simply brightening the movie, especially if you time it along with the lift, that tends to work very well. I'd say like 80% of cases, because it. my theory of why this works is that brightening the images kind of adds like neurological juice to it. And if you got more neurological juice, that's more of that energy uh, going through the nervous systems, firing the muscles, and thus being able to do whatever you're trying to do. It's not going to work in every single case, but it does seem to work in the vast majority of them. So simply take a couple seconds before you do an exercise, close your eyes, visualize yourself doing it, brighten it, and see how it works for you. That was mental training expert and entrepreneur Logan Christopher speaking on visualization and how to use the senses, specifically vision and brightness control in enhancing strength output. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Simply Faster. Simply Faster is an online athletic performance technology shop distributing items such as the free lap timing system, gym aware, K-Box, 1080 Sprint, and the Speed Mat. I've gotten many of these items from Simply Faster and can confidently say that they make today's best training technology available to everybody. The free lap timing system has revolutionized both my practices and my athlete assessments, allowing me to look at the 10 meter fly capability of dozens of athletes in a matter of seconds. It is wireless, compact, portable, and incredibly versatile. The K-Box and 1080 Sprint are fantastic tools for any coach looking to build speed, agility, and implement training scenarios that go beyond the traditional weight room. The 1080 Sprint is being used by great coaches training some of the fastest sprinters in the world, and it truly represents high-performance speed training. I can personally attest that Simply Faster's customer service is second to none. Christopher at Simply Faster responds quickly to queries, and anyone who makes a purchase from Simply Faster is in good hands. If you want to acquire some of the best high-tech training equipment available, stop by simplyfaster.com. That's simply with an I, faster.com. They are the future of coaching technology. Welcome to episode 111 of the Just Fly Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Smith, and today on the show, I'm pleased to bring you Logan Christopher. He is an entrepreneur, mental training expert, strong man, and a guy who I've been meaning to get on this show for some time. Uh, if you've followed the podcast for a while, uh, so one of the things that I've really been excited about and been trying to get more of on the show, and, and I, if you know me, I'm always trying to find things that aren't so mainstream. Experts who have a different slant on things, a new way of looking at things, people who are on the fringe and the edge of the field and who are kind of cutting their way through and uh, teaching us to reach new barriers or break bar new barriers in performance and reach new levels and limits. And one of the areas that I really do think is just very unexplored, very underutilized, even though we talk about it all the time and how important it is, is the mind and mental training. And, and it's just that we, we always say, oh, the mind is so important and, and winning is 90%. And Logan will mention this too. I don't want to steal his thunder. I'm just quoting him really. Um, but 
saying that winning is 90% mental and 10% physical. We, we say these things, but then the actual process of building a step-by-step -step or procedural um, or putting in place procedures to build mental strength, to get in flow state, to overcome mental blocks and shortcomings and to harness the full power of the mind and the connection of the, of the body or the connection of the mind to the body, we tend not to really do that stuff. I think that a lot of times sports psychologists and mental training, it's, it's kind of out there. It's not something you can say, show me this research study on this visualization routine and show me the research on this hypnosis track that these athletes listen to. That stuff is not nearly as commonplace, and I think people are oftentimes a little bit afraid to um, undertake a physical or mental, sorry, training program that they might think might be silly or something like that. I mean, that's just my take. I, I love mental training. I think the mind is a link to performance, and if you have ever been in the presence of specifically maybe a therapist who is exceptionally good, um, one of the, who, the main of whom in my experience, Douglas Heal comes to mind, the ability to understand the subconscious mind and to unlock the mind of the athlete or the client is what really makes for a special person and a great coach. And so uh, on the show today, I have Logan Christopher. He is a strongman, entrepreneur, mental training expert. He's from Santa Cruz, California. Logan is the owner of LegendaryStrength.com. He is the CEO of Lost Empire Herbs and is regarded as an expert in the mental performance field. Logan also has in-depth expertise as an NLP or neuro-linguistic programming master practitioner, and he is a certified hypnotist. So uh, again, I've just really wanted to bring uh, these topics of mental performance. And now uh, Logan's uh, specific area is strongman. And the one of the things I love about strength and barbell training and even the world of powerlifting and Olympic lifting, which I, I embrace all full circle aspects of human performance and strength. I think a lot of times we talk about the distinctions and the differences between barbell powerlifting and athletic performance, and there is, but the, the barbell has such a simplicity to it. And Logan has used his barbell and strongman training as well as skill training, hand balancing, kettlebell juggling, um, he definitely does skills as well, but he's utilized and, and created mental training constructs um, that and has experimented relentlessly and used it on many clients to great success. Um, various routines and mental and really has taken mental training inside out to get every ounce of strength out of those he works with. So for those of us working with athletes who for one, might just be looking for a better direction in some more directed mental training means. Maybe you've been trying to get in a visualization program, looking at hypnosis, looking at how to get athletes into flow states. This is an awesome podcast. It covers all the bases. And you're even going to get a special treat. Uh, Logan even takes me through a little bit of my own experience as an athlete and how I have gone in and out of flow state and competition. And personally, this stuff is important to me because I... Uh, well, one, I always want to serve athletes as best I can. And learning and understanding mental training allows them to unlock a new aspect of, of their own uh, inner power and athleticism. And I, I also felt like in my own training that I, I was a great athlete. I loved training. I had some natural gifts. And I used training to try to make myself as physically superior as I could to my components, my opponents. 
But at the end of the day, a lot of that, that was a big crutch for me. As soon as I faced uh, opponents who were equally as athletic as me, they were strong, they were big, I would completely crumble. Even though I had every right and every grounds to stand with them in the field of play. Um, and unlocking those those reasons and, and going into competition and, and what makes a uh, elite performer in the midst of different competitive scenarios, how to unlock the most out of your body strength-wise, power-wise. Getting Just imagine getting an extra 2 or 3% edge every time you walked in the weight room or went to the track or did a plyometric session or speed session. Um, it's powerful, powerful stuff. And so um, in this episode today, Logan is going to go over the effectiveness of mental training, some reasons why it's not necessarily accepted as popular despite its effectiveness, and then how to optimize visualization, hypnosis, and use mental anchors. So this is one I'm excited for. I've been meaning to get Logan on for a long time, and I'm excited that I finally am bringing you episode 111 with Logan Christopher. Logan, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, well, I'm I'm really excited for this show. Um, it was about 20 or so episodes ago. I really I made like a promise to myself. I'm like, I am going to get more sports psychology and mental experts on this show because I just think the mind is such a, an underappreciated area of our field where it's so easy, right, to just talk sets and reps and exercise schemes and planning and periodization. It's the mind is, is just such an awesome thing. So I'm excited to talk to you today about that. And can we just kick it off, share a little bit about your background in the human performance, uh, sports performance, sports psychology, and mental training fields, and, and what got you to where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I am I do a bunch of odd stuff. I kind of in alignment with what are known as the old-time strongman. Back about 100 years or so, the uh, strongman uh performed in vaudeville and uh in sideshows and different things like this and they did things like bending nails and horseshoes and uh ripping phone books in half and all kinds of crazy supporting feats and this sort of thing so for whatever whatever reason i really got into that and i wanted to do that despite being the proverbial 98 pound weakling like I was, i'm not naturally strong not naturally athletic but for some reason as i got into this stuff and started doing body weight training and kettlebells and then this these feats of strength I, I just really wanted to excel at it and I really wanted to become you know the world's strongest man in some sense or fashion so I, I was really looking for you know what could be my secret weapon what could really help me in order to achieve these aims that I had because I didn't have that natural talent or natural even build for it I, and a large part of that was I turned to the mind. I recognized that, you know, with just a, a few things, really focusing the mind in the right way, different aspects of mental training, that I could really excel my performance. I mean, so many athletes out there in all different athletic endeavors, they say that 90% of the game is mental or something along these lines. You got to believe in yourself, right? And for the most part, everyone agrees with these sentiments, but they're really hollow phrases. Very few people actually give you step-by-step -step methods, what you can do to change a belief or how specifically you should visualize. We all know visualization works, but how do you do it that actually makes it better, that is going to improve your performance in the moment now? And that's what I've spent, uh, I don't know, uh, about a decade or so exploring in my own life. Yeah, I, I love what you said. I feel like that says it all right there in some ways is it, that it's a lot of times it's hollow. Like everyone will say, oh yeah, the mind, it's all in the mind. It's so important. 
but no one mm-hmm. wants to train the mind. Like no one wants to really explore the mind. And what do you think like the hangups are? Like obviously we want to talk about training all day. Like you know the 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 bro conversation. Oh bro, I do you know four sets of eight. I do five by five. I do this. Mm-hmm. But no one, no one's like, oh, check this hypnosis program. You know, like, like it's <laughs> yeah, why? It, like, why is that? It, it's an interesting thing. I mean, part of it is, you know, athletics. It, it's such a physical thing, right? So we're really kind of grounded in the the physical reality. I mean, what you know, someone that's uh, doing something, what do they look like or what are they able to do? So I, I'd say that's part of it. Meanwhile, the, the mind is a very uh, slippery or ephemeral thing that it, it's hard to get a grasp on. And really when it comes to sports psychology or the mental training, you have to be willing to go inside and sometimes face stuff that you don't necessarily want to do. But a large part of it is really just that people – are not taught so they don't understand what is going on when we're talking hypnosis here we've already turned some people off because the first thing that comes to their mind is uh, a stage hypnosis who's making a person cluck like a chicken Mm -hmm. and they're all oh that's all fake bs right Uh, so we have these myths these ideas going on in our mind about what uh, these aspects of mental training are and those aren't necessarily accurate and they're not necessarily helping us but in the end they uh, they basically stop us from really exploring this field and then being able to get results results with it yeah i can't agree more i, I like what you said i and i was chatting about like i've just started to read in the the, the neurolinguistic programming a little bit before we started and, like one of the big topics there is the generalization like people generalize hypnosis with what you said like someone on the stage and people acting silly or something that's like almost could be i don't know spooky or weird um but it, it it's interesting how people think when there's so much power behind um, this type of work. Uh, so could mm-hmm. you, uh, I'm, I'm sure there's a million of them, but just, and, and that too, it's like, I, I, we came out of the gates firing at all cylinders, <laughs> right? Like, cause if you want to listen to the show or you did it, you've made your decision by now. Right. So could you talk a little bit about some of the, some of the things you've seen, like some of the, uh, I should, that's a very broad spec, uh, broad question, but like some of the, the benefits and anecdotes of how mental training has helped you or those you've worked with. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Some of my favorite stories, and I've told these before, but they're just such great stories that I'll keep telling them. One of the best examples, and I did this on a a stage, right? So part of it was there was this kind of elevation of the effect. And this kind of goes into some aspects of mental training, like realizing that a performance being up on a stage can either uh, accelerate your results or hinder you, depending on your psychology and how you're wired and whatnot. So that really goes into it. But we're on a stage. Uh, This was an event that Dragon Door put together. And uh, I was helping this woman, Katie, be able to do one-arm push-ups. She was already quite strong. She was able to do two one-arm push-ups, which, you know, that's, that's, better than most people let's put it that way Uh, but she had an actual uh, a mental block about this exercise and because she had this mental block that's actually why we ended up getting such great results Uh, mental blocks all of us come we have them at different points in time and a mental block may not be this big thing like oh I really can't get through that sometimes it gets there but it can still be just small things and I can give some examples of that but anyway I I spent a couple minutes it was probably about three to five minutes walking Katie through how she internally visualized this exercise and when I say the word visualize 
yes, the visual component is important, but there's also an auditory aspect and there's the kinesthetic, both the like tactile proprioceptive aspects of movement and balance, but also the internal feelings. And all of that stuff is important. There's also what you say to yourself, your internal dialogue. So all of that really comes together for our multi-sensory imagination or for shorthand, just visualization. So we, we found out what she did with the one arm push up. Then we found out what she did with an exercise she thought was easy. Uh, in this case, it was a body weight squat. And we kind of figured out the differences between these. Uh, <laughs> what I like to say, I messed with her mind a little bit. I had her visualize the one arm push up using some of those aspects of the easy exercise. And just in doing this, spending a couple minutes doing it, she was able to do seven one arm push ups. So she went from two to seven, uh, a massive PR that occurred in that moment. So that that's one example of what this can do. Now, in telling the story, it doesn't often work that good. I can't promise anything. But if you do this, the sort of visualization things, and we can go into more detail on what these actually look like so people can listening can apply this for themselves. Uh, You'll, you'll, if you do it right, you'll always get some sort of increase. It may be much smaller, like a 5 or 10% increase, not a 350% increase. But if you do it right, it does enhance your ability in what you're trying to do. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I've, going through those things myself, I've, I've noticed an instant you know, jump an inch or two higher. And I've <laughs> seen swimmers who uh, their race unfolds just as they visualize or going through um, going through the various mental training systems and, and it is important and it really makes a big difference. And it's, it also just, I think just having the understanding of what you were saying too, like some people who get up on the stage and that's an amplifier or it, or it takes it away, like how to put athletes in those situations. I think there's, there's so many cool things behind it. I, um, could you go in a little bit too? So, so just kind of kicking this all off in the, in the different ways people can approach mental training. Uh, what are the main kinds of things if you took things down into a few buckets of methods that can help athletes get more out of their bodies and their performance. Right. So I, I'd say there are three main methods, kind of uh, skill sets or tool sets that make up the, the bulk of mental training. Um, these are visualization. So what we were just talking about working with that, then there's hypnosis and really with these categories, they're kind of loose categories and can be combined in different ways. Then there's anchors. Um, and yeah, I'd say these are the three main tools. There, there's other things like we can look at beliefs or meta programs or different aspects as well. But I'd say those are the three main skill sets and really there is gonna be some blending between these. For instance, you can use hypnosis and then while you're in a deepened state of mind where you have a greater connection with the subconscious and whatnot, using visualization while you're in there is going to basically amplify its benefits and you, you're using anchors to get into a hypnotized state and setting anchors for later. So they're really the, the combination of these different things is going to bring out uh, better results. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster. Oh yeah, that's awesome. It's like uh, I think too. Like sometimes I feel like for myself too. I one of the reasons that I think I don't use this as much as I should, and I think it's it's, it's an excuse is just time. Uh, so how long or how much time should an athlete expect to utilize these methods? before they really can see a good benefit, like especially someone who's a little skeptical or just or wants to start putting in their program, how much time does it take to go through a visualization, a hypnosis, or obviously setting anchors, it could be really quick, um, but 
Right. Uh, um, do, do you have three seconds? Like, you can do a visualization just like that. It really can be that quickly. Obviously, there are uh, things like doing a hypnotic program if you're listening to some sort of pre-recorded track, or uh, I'm a big advocate of learning uh, hypnotic programming yourself so you can do self-hypnosis, but you can spend 10, 30 minutes doing that. And yeah, that can certainly add up. Uh, visualization especially, that can be super quick. And anchors, once you've said it, uh, yeah, anchors specifically are meant to be instant. They, they're causing a, a state uh, shift, a control of that state that you have that allow you to go from, you know, relaxed to amped up uh, or the vice versa, or really, I mean, we can talk more about states, but there, there's so much going on. So the state you need to do a deadlift is very different than the state you need uh, to swim 50 meters to the state you need for running 50 meters. There may be some similarities between these as far as, you know, being energized and whatnot, but there are also key differences. So your state control can change per thing you're doing. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so let's get into those a little bit. Uh, well, I'd like to get into the states, but first off, you talked about the visualization, hypnosis, and anchor. So let's say you have an athlete, a strength competitor, someone who just wants to take advantage of mental training to get better, uh, and they're going throughout a training week. How are you going to go about infusing each of these into their program? And then you had mentioned, too, like the idea of like some of the specific things you got into with the colors and the, the feelings mm -hmm. throughout visualization. So can you kind of take us on a deep dive of what it's like to, right. to work in that area? Yeah. So uh, I, I could teach this for a, a whole weekend and still not cover everything. So uh, I'll, I'll give everyone kind of my quick hack to uh, using visualization in a way that helps to uh, increase results. Uh, so when I say the word visualization, just everyone can imagine, say they're lifting a barbell doing a deadlift. We'll just take that as an example. Now, when you picture yourself lifting the barbell, uh, you're going to see yourself and you're going to see the barbell, right? Uh, some people, and this will be split across all the listeners. Uh, let me ask you, Joel, when you imagine yourself doing this, are you naturally inside your body? Like you're looking out from your own eyes, seeing the barbell and seeing your hands like you would in real life? Or are you in that third person perspective, uh, kind of watching yourself as if you're watching a movie? Yeah, for me, I'm more natural to be inside my body doing it. Okay. And it, this is really split probably about 50-50 in people. So other people listening, I'm more naturally, I'm going to be outside of my body. Now, this can be one component that can be fun to play with. Uh, so basically, you would step outside your body and then step in. I, I could step in my body. And there's some usefulness in this, but that would be one of the qualities of it. So the context, or the, rather the content of our visualization is you lifting a barbell, but the context of it is inside your body or outside your body. And that can be in a very important component, but another component is the brightness of this movie that we're watching. And it is natural, especially if we like close our eyes in order to visualize and that can help shut out external stimuli. Uh, so closing your eyes, it, it's kind of natural to see things in a bit more dim color than is kind of the, the ambient lighting in the room, of course, depending on that. Uh, what I'd like people to do is imagine yourself deadlifting, but brighten up that image. And especially if you can time the brightening of the image going along with the lift, that works a little bit better. Uh, the, the way I discovered this and learned that it uh, really worked well for people, I was, I was working with this woman uh, and seeing 
how strong she was as far as being able to do push-ups. She could do a push-up, but she could, definitely could not do a handstand push-up. So I wanted to see something in between what's called a pike press, uh, which is basically you're kind of in a push-up, but your butt is up in the air. So it, it's halfway between a handstand push-up and a push-up. Uh, so she tried this exercise and still couldn't do it. But I was first exploring these uh, this visualization stuff at that time. So I was like, okay, you know, what do you perceive? And she was in, inside of her body, but as she pushed up, it kind of faded out to black. I thought, well, that's easy. Let's just reverse that, you know, have it get brighter as you push up. So she visualized that three times, then she busted out like two or three reps. So she went from not being able to do it to do it. So I explored this with other people, just simply brightening the movie, especially if you time it along with the lift, that tends to work very well. I'd say like 80% of cases, because it. my theory of why this works is that brightening the images kind of adds like neurological juice to it. And if you got more neurological juice, that's more of that energy uh, going through the nervous systems, firing the muscles, and thus being able to do whatever you're trying to do. It's not going to work in every single case, but it does seem to work in the vast majority of them. So simply take a couple seconds before you do an exercise, close your eyes, visualize yourself doing it, brighten it, and see how it works for you. That's awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. That that's. Uh, I sorry if I interrupted you there, but I I just like whoa, that's cool. And that's like so quick yeah. too, right? Like it it's just it's something that just takes a few seconds. Yeah, and honestly, there's so much more. Like if you can really, uh, like in that story before, find out the differences between how you perceive an exercise that is easy for you versus one that is hard, and you have all the visual components. Like so, there's not just being inside or outside of your body or dimness and brightness. There's um, especially if you're outside the location of it, it can be in front of you, it can be the side, below you, uh, there's how far away, there's a three-dimensionality versus 2D, uh, it can be different shapes, there can be all kinds of things there, then there's the auditory qualities, oftentimes with exercise, a lot of people don't have the auditory channel even operating in visualization. So you can bring that in listening to music or hearing uh, yourself say something or hearing a coach say something. All these are different ways. And then the tone of that, the volume, uh, the tempo, the pitch, all those are important. And then the kinesthetics of it, you know, where do you feel pressure in your body? What does that feel like? The location, the size, uh, is it intermittent or solid feeling all these are different things i can play with and all of them can be a difference maker in your visualization and thus your performance in doing an exercise i love how it seems like you can tell that you and your own strongman training have just spent a ton of time just being creative on your own and playing with these different techniques i was just listening to a little podcast with whoever had written the book the audience of one and i continually realized how important it is to just tinker with these things on your own relentlessly and and finding what works best and then that giving you kind of the juice to uh, I, that words in my mind because you just mentioned i love that neural juice in the book <laughs> like that is so sticking with me i i love that it's such a quick and easy type thing but um i just i think it's great how you you can tell that you've spent a lot of time on this in your own laboratory so to speak your own mind and the weights yeah, I'm, I'm first and foremost my own experimenting subject, and I like to experiment with other people too, because obviously if it only works for you, that's one thing, but uh, finding it works out there. I'll, I'll, I'll give another like quick hack for people to try out, and this uh, was actually uh, my friend Adrienne. I, I, I taught her some of these different things, but she couldn't remember all the details because there really is a lot that can go into this. So when she was working with clients back home afterward, uh, she just told her client to 
uh, now see it in HD as if you went from like normal standard definition TV to high definition. Just imagine it like that. So here, the, the brightness may be a thing, but it's the kind of saturation of color and the, the detail of it. It's the same sort of thing. It's amping up that neurological juice, the term you like there. Uh, it, it's doing that and so then it, it feels like more real and more powerful to the body and the, the I believe this quote is often uh, attributed to Einstein but the the uh, our subconscious mind cannot tell the difference between something that is vividly imagined and something that's real right so you're imagining it in this way that is actually amped up and that is doing certain things within your neurology and thus that is why this kind of thing can actually change your physical results. Yeah, I, I love that stuff. I love the I love the different um, the different senses too. And you, you talk about that, and you, you know we're all uh, you hear it like how we're all like different learners, or some are kinesthetic and auditory. And so basically, as someone who's a particular type of learner, would you really try to uh, hone in in their visualizations to find those senses that they tend to learn best with, and and then use that in how you're playing around with what works best for them? Yes, that's a very good point. So uh, I'll say this, anyone that is an athlete is likely going to be strongly kinesthetic. It may not be their major sense, but it, it's definitely high up there. Um, and kinesthetic, uh, not everyone's familiar with this one, but it really means that that feeling sense. And Unfortunately, like so many different things are lumped into this group that I, I find it's useful to divide them out. So I talked about that a little bit earlier. You have really kind of the, the physical, like the tactile feeling with your hands or your body. Then there's proprioception, which is your sense of balance. But there's also internal feelings, which can be, uh, you know, we have very muddy language around this. You know, what's the difference between a feeling and an emotion, right? <laughs> uh, most people aren't really clear on what they mean with there. So anger may be emotion, but a feeling may be, you know, this solid, uh, like feels like a rock inside of your stomach. And generally with um, what we're doing with our senses, if I say angry, you may imagine some things, but you have no clue what I'm actually talking about as far as how it feels within my body. But if I get it into sensory words, you know, I feel this tension up in my shoulders and my neck, and I, I feel this furrow in my brow, and I feel that rock in my stomach, then you understand what I'm actually talking about. So all this gets grouped under that kinesthetic. So back to your question. Uh, Many people that are athletes are going to be strongly kinesthetic, but there's also a, a big visual component to it, especially people that are great at learning and picking up things are able to watch someone else do something and then they're able to replicate it themselves. They have a really good channel between those senses. Uh, so when you're working with visualization, yes, you do want to work with your main channel, but oftentimes the flip side of that's also true by bringing in your weakest channel often that can be something that really does make a difference too. So it is really worth exploring all the different senses and all the different qualities of those senses. Yeah, I like that. I like the idea of exploring your weakest channel. I think about sometimes in sports performance, strength and conditioning, what have you, to talk about your strengths versus your weaknesses. You need to eventually play to your strengths, but you also need to explore your weaknesses at points to be able to reach your highest level. And it makes sense that it would come full circle in looking at that in mental training as well. 
Yeah. Uh, so for me, I, I'm strongly kinesthetic and my visual is pretty good. Then auditory is the weakest sense, but I, I've done a lot of training with that. So I'm able to do things now that is just completely like I didn't listen to music until I was like 16 or 17 years old. I'm not sure if that kind of reinforced me not being auditory or I didn't get into music because I wasn't auditory. Uh, a little bit of a chicken or the egg syndrome there. Uh, but I, I've now done a lot of training with it, so I realize the power and how I can use this in different ways and, um, you know, notice the different, say, tone or the pitch in people's voice and whatnot. So, yeah, that can be a very powerful one. So, like I was saying earlier, with athleticism and doing these things, it, it mostly is visual and kinesthetic, but uh, you bring in that auditory channel, it can be super powerful. And with the auditory channel, there's things like music or sound or you can hear yourself breathing, but also what you're saying to yourself that's uh, an aspect of that. And you can also, even while you're visualizing, if you're someone that, you know, has had a great coach, you know, you can imagine them saying certain things to you, which can be motivating or uh, can help you to push through that sort of thing. Yeah. And looking at athletes, too, I, I think about how many athletes have you know, a weak sense that might relate to their game, too. Like a basketball player maybe has weak auditory and maybe they have problems using the the sounds of the court to help them reach their highest output or a weak vision or, or I mean yeah and I like you said athletes we are all very kinesthetic I know that's my number one is I was actually thinking about that I was reading some NLP stuff not too long ago I was like you know I'm pretty sure I'm kinesthetic I actually have a hard time thinking of anything else <laughs> and and uh but it, it's really cool to explore all of those um, those senses and, and find out which one will yield the best result. And, and there's so many combinations of how sport manifests that too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I definitely would reiterate what you're saying, you know, focus on your strengths, but be sure to shore up your weaknesses, especially if those are the things that are holding you back from going further with your strengths, which does very often happen. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, talking about, you talked a little bit about visualization there and using the different senses to get the fullest effect there. Tell me a little bit about your experience with hypnosis. What got you into it? And then what's a basic primer on people who are looking to use this tool in improving their performance or combining it with some of the other elements? Right. So hypnosis, as we talked about earlier, a lot of kind of myths or misconceptions about it. Um, hypnosis is really just a tool. It's, it's, it's a method or a whole bunch of different methods of which of putting people or putting yourself into a more relaxed and receptive state where you are more able to, as I said before, uh, kind of converse with your subconscious or bring about uh, greater results with things you may not even be able to normally access. Um, there, there's a myth that not everyone can be hypnotized, and that's not true. I mean, have you ever driven a car before? You know, there's that road hypnosis or watching TV, getting sucked into that or sucked into a good book. It, it's really just a little bit of a different state. Um, not everyone can necessarily be hypnotized in such a strong way that they're not, not going to be able to remember anything. So there, there is aspects of that are true, but everyone can uh, get hypnotized because really it's, it's not all that different than sleep uh, you are, or meditation. You are going through the same or similar changes in brainwave patterns in all three of these different things. Sleep, you do obviously go deeper in the delta. You're not likely to get that well-being actually awake in meditation or hypnosis but it's really much the same thing so the the difference between meditation and hypnosis is for most people meditation is about clearing the mind and trying to not think at all uh, whereas with hypnosis 
we do want you to think it's a, it's in a targeted way. We're actually going it, so it's more goal oriented. Uh, that's at least how I like to think about it. Cool. Uh, yeah. So, the brainwaves yeah. too. Could you just go into that real quick? Because for people sure. who might not understand the delta and the beta, and, yep. and how does Absolutely. that work into this stuff too? Real quick before you go. Sure. So uh, the beta brainwave is our uh, predominant waking state that's the natural state that we're in most of the time and we pretty much have all these brain waves going all at once it's just that uh, you have more of one uh, than the others going at the time so beta is the uh, our, our main waking state alpha is the alpha brain wave is like when we're starting to kind of drift off into sleep or even if you just start to if you close your eyes you start to produce more alpha brain waves uh, at those examples I was using before. So, you know, when you're driving and not really focused on what you're doing, but you're just kind of, you know, you're off in your head or uh, you get absorbed into something that is going to be see a, a raising of the alpha brainwave. So it's, it's a light trance state, essentially. Theta, the next brainwave, is it's a deeper trance. Uh, you're you're going to go from beta to alpha to theta and then the delta into sleep. It, it's going to take some practice with meditation or hypnosis is to actually get into a theta brainwave state but here is where you're really much more creative and can access your intuition and do a whole bunch of other really cool things so uh, really getting into this theta brainwave state can be quite useful that being said for athleticism i find you know if you can just get into alpha that's more than enough i mean we can actually do everything with visualization and whatnot pretty well in just a beta brainwave state but just getting into that light trance with alpha is good and then delta that is really associated with sleep um that's where the body's repairing itself and whatnot so uh that that's a basic overview of the four main brain waves. There's also gamma, which is actually higher in frequency, I believe it is, than beta. Um, that's used. Uh, that one's a bit more complicated, so we won't go there right now. <laughs> oh yeah, I yeah I don't even know what I've heard of the other five. I don't even know what gamma is. So yeah, uh, cool. And alpha would be like flow state, kind of. Then if you're in sports, yes. you mentioned you're in flow state. Absolutely, yeah. Awesome. That definitely that's associated with that. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster. Very cool. Yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off, uh, um, but, yeah. but yeah. And then, so you were you were talking before just about um, hypnosis, the difference between hypnosis and meditation, and then you were uh, talking a little right. bit about how active uh, hypnosis is. Yeah. So I, I study hypnosis uh, a lot of my training, and what you've mentioned a couple times is uh, NLP or neuro linguistic programming. That's a closely associated field with hypnosis because one of the people modeled for NLP language patterns and different things was Milton Erickson, who was one of the top hypnotherapists in the world. I mean, the stories about that guy are really amazing. And he got the, uh, I believe it was the American Medical Association to accept hypnosis as a legitimate form of pain control and uh, other things they could do with that. I mean, they've used hypnosis to anesthetize people where they have had like open heart surgery and crazy things like that without any pain medication just using hypnosis in order to control pain so yeah this stuff works yeah. uh, so i just got interested in you know if hypnosis can be used for all these things can i use it to get stronger and the answer is of course yes yeah uh, yeah I, I would agree too i mean i'm i'm definitely not even close to as well versed as you are but even just going through the tracks and the hypnosis tracks you can the the difference in your just movement and power and strength afterwards is really staggering. I mean, for me too, coming off of not doing it at all, and just like the self belief in it is is really amazing. And so um, that's awesome. And then 
So if someone's trying to like look into getting started with that, I mean, there, there's tracks. Like, I mean, I think when people think about getting hypnotized, they probably just generalize and go to the state, you know, on the stage, right? Or you're on <laughs> someone's couch with the clock going in front of your eyes right. or whatever. Like, you how are does getting this... sleepy. <laughs> yeah. How does this? Yeah. How does this happen for athletes? So, if someone wants to perform better, what's the best way to look into this? Look into going about using this tool. Right. Yeah. The, so the easiest way to get started is not by learning hypnosis yourself and all that. I, I definitely encourage that. But uh, I, for example, I've created a whole bunch of pre-recorded tracks. So there's one for getting stronger. There's one for increasing your endurance. There's one for improving your skill and technique. There's one for uh, gaining muscle or losing fat. There's all these different tracks I've created that are built for these specific purposes that incorporate not just uh, everything I've learned in hypnosis, but there's uh, different types of visualization, including playing around with those qualities in certain ways. There's anchors in them. There's belief change process. So it's really a whole bunch of things stacked together. And most of those are, uh, because I know people are busy, I'm busy myself. So I try to aim for like the 10 to 15 minute range, which is a pretty doable amount. So that's a really easy way. I, 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 because of the stuff we talked about where, you know, people hear mental training, they've heard these things, but they don't really get it. Uh, and it's not an easy field to really access into. Uh, I wanted to do as much of it for them as I could. And so the pre-recorded hypnosis tracks are, I'd say the easiest way to get started with this. Now, uh, they do work. I, I've, I've got countless testimonials with them. Ideally, you would want the hypnosis completely customized to you and your situation and what you're going for. And this could be done by having a hypnotist that knows your situation and all that. Or if you learn the process of self-hypnosis, you can do it for yourself. Of course, there's also some difficulties there. Uh, when you are both the hypnotist and the hypnotee, I'm not sure if that's a <laughs> real word, but when you're both the subject and the, the person that's guiding that subject, it, it's hard to go as deep. Uh, so it, it can be very useful to have someone else available for that but once again for athleticism for you know being stronger being faster that sort of thing improving your performance you don't need to get super deep in a trance you're not accessing childhood memories or past life regressions <laughs> or any of the stuff that uh, a deeper trance would necessitate uh, just being able to by uh, bringing your awareness more internal you're able to kind of amp up the effectiveness of things like the visualization and let me mention one more thing on there the good thing about combining hypnosis and visualization is one by relaxing yourself and going more internal eyes closed one it's easier to visualize so you can play around with things like making it brighter uh some people think they don't visualize, but everyone actually visualizes short of maybe a person that's born blind. They probably don't visualize, but everyone else does. Um, they just may not be aware of it. So you get yourself in a hypnotized state. It's going to be easier to access that data that's available, and then it's going to make whatever you're doing more effective. So there's uh, combined benefits by combining hypnosis and visualization. Yeah, I like that you had mentioned it just can take 10 to 15 minutes because i think especially in working with athletes this day and age everyone's so busy everyone's schedule is so crammed and you, you look up like some of the just the sample tracks not for strength even but just the general hypnosis where you get a nap and it's like 30 minutes you know which is cool and i like what you mentioned it's like a spectrum right like on the left of the or it's almost like a thermostat on the left of it you have a few minutes is athletic performance and then the further to the right you get the childhood traumas and past lives <laughs> and once you get way yeah. down in there so 
Uh, yeah, I just think it's... Hopefully we don't need to deal that stuff to improve your sprinting speed or whatnot. Sometimes you do. So uh, obviously there's utility for that. Uh, sometimes in athleticism, but definitely other fields. But yeah, what I've found is uh, you can get really great results in less time than a lot of what else is out there. Yeah, yeah. No, no doubt. I, I, I like that. And yeah, I, I will say it too. I mean, I, I your tracks um, that you have, I felt were, were very effective and didn't take that long. And so... Uh, it's great stuff. I, I, I can actually add one other thing on this, and maybe that brings us to our next subject. Uh, one of the reasons that I, I feel I can shorten the time is uh, so much time is often spent with the induction and the deepening process that's getting yourself into that relaxed hypnotic state. Uh, people spend a lot of time doing that. Uh, I like to speed up the process, and you're actually able to do this and make it still as effective by using anchoring. Um, so there are several different anchors for relaxation. So you're by setting these in place and you're able to access them and you don't need to spend as much time, you're able to slip into that hypnotic state really easy. And uh, I mean, I've, I've, I have some methods and routines that I do, especially if I'm practicing a new movement uh, where between sets of practice with it, I'll enter into a light hypnotic state and I'm not even like counting myself. I'm just firing the anchors and going straight into that. So I'm just able to get into the like lightest trance to aid in the visualization, to aid in the practice that I'm doing before then doing it again. So you can do it between sets of stuff as well. But with the 10 to 15 minute tracks, usually people will listen to that like before a workout or after a workout and those can be great times to do it. Oh yeah, that's a great point too. Like the the induction and the deepening, because I think about I have I have a app, uh, a hypnosis app on my iPad, and like literally like the first fifteen twenty minutes is just kind of getting and getting you relaxed. And I I always I always get impatient. I'm always like, all right, come on, like I you know I got the next thing to go. And <laughs> I mean that's probably not good. That's definitely probably not good if you're trying to well, get that, something out of it. Yeah, if you're getting impatient, <laughs> then uh, that's you know it, it may not be the best induction for you. And that's one of the reasons you'd want to have. Um, like ideally a hypnotist there because a hypnotist will be there they're going into the state themselves but they're also watching you so they're they're noticing how relaxed the tension in your body and different things is going so they're able to kind of do more of an induction if that's needed or less if it's needed they're really able to based on the feedback that you're presenting them just on your uh, body posture and uh, subtle movements Oh, but yeah. yeah, an app can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. The MIT, they're making some pretty ridiculous robots with it doing backflips and stuff. So maybe at some point, yeah. I, I, I think I definitely get the best, the most out of those things when it's in the morning and I got nothing to do. And, and, uh, but yeah, I, I, I definitely think that's really cool. And so with the, you had talked about the anchors. So, and I thought this, I think anchors are such a cool thing because you're talking about alpha state and flow state. And flow state something I've been fascinated with the last year because I just look at I look at myself as an athlete and I think a lot of this always the stuff that hits home for us personally I think we are often the most drawn to but the thing that held me back from being a a great high school basketball player was not my athleticism at all it was my perception and my mental states like I, I and if I could have just found better ways to get in flow and stay in flow or even when I play tennis with my brother like and I'm starting the tide starts to turn and I'm winning but then he's starting to win the balls and and I can see things like falling away from me like I can literally see the game getting away from me and I know what's going wrong but I can't do what I need to do to get back into flow <laughs> and uh, I think those so to me those anchors are so powerful could you talk about those and and so what's an anchor how do you how do you access it? 
how do how can you use it in context of your strength or your sport or or life in general um I definitely want to go there, but I kind of want to explore something with you because uh, this will be fun. Uh, you're saying you, you saw the game get away from you. How did you see the game get away from you? Um, I mean, I guess you could say I, 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 it's funny. I use the word see, right? Like with my vision. Like I, right. I, well, I, I can tell because I have video here. Your eyes are going and yeah, you're, you're visualizing something there. So yeah, I'm just curious. So that, that's one of the things with NLP is being able to pick up people's language and eye movements and different things. And so you have some sort of program that's actually uh, that runs and has run since that time where you can see the game getting away from you. And th that's going to turn out to do some things and then change your state. So this, this kind of gets to the anchoring because that's a program that you're running. So I just wanted to explore that a little bit. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. No, absolutely. No, thanks for, I'm, I'm down. <laughs> uh, yeah. So basically I, the reason I say I see is cause I can literally like see him uh, hitting like a slicey serve that I don't know how to respond to. Cause I am not playing enough, you know, like I I'm athletic, but I can't don't have the fine skills, at least the consistency to continually be at where his level is, even though, um, it's you know, the first part of the game I did, but then all of a sudden, for some reason, it's it's breaking from me, and and I and I'm hitting things into the net. I can see myself hitting things in the net, off the back of the court, off the side, and I can see him getting better and better, and I can see him getting more confident. Not that I'm not hung up on beating my brother, by the way, for people listening. We have a great relationship. Um, we did. I used to take competition way worse back when I was younger, but now I, he can beat me, and I'm fine. But I still treat it as a very it's very serious to me in the sense of I want to know what's going on with my mind and why I'm losing this mm -hmm. game and how I can help athletes. And so I can see myself becoming inconsistent and I see myself being losing the flow. I see myself losing flow. And... How do you see that? Because I don't know what that looks like. <laughs> no, that's a good one. Um, I, I just I see it in the fact that I can't I can't put together smooth fluid confident movement anymore like i can't i can't i'm not confident in my so your, your movements aren't flowing anymore they're they've become staccato or somewhat rigid yeah I'm, I'm i'm thinking about instead of just letting it happen all of a sudden the the mental track of oh maybe i'll try i'll try hitting the ball this way next time maybe i'll try it's always i'll try hitting the ball this way i'll try i'll try doing this a little bit more and mm. i lose and as soon as that brain comes online i'm gone like i'm done it's it's just <laughs> over and and i try to find i'm trying to think of how i'm going to bring myself back into this state where i wasn't thinking about it i was just having fun because all everything was connecting but as soon as he started coming online and i started losing a few shots um now it's all what do i do to get better what do i do my conscious brain is, is just humming saying right. what do i do mm-hmm <laughs> Yeah, so, and I'd say that's pretty typical for a lot of people, and that is, you know, once we start going internal and we start talking to yourself and, oh, I'm going to try this, right, and try implies that you might fail with something, so I'd say what you're going through there is probably typical of a lot of people, though uh, different people are going to run it a different way. Let me ask you this, what what's the difference between earlier, I mean, how is there just no thought available? Like what compare and contrast what you were just picturing, what you're just seeing there and uh, a time when it, it's, it, everything's going well. Usually, well, when we would play, even if I haven't been playing in a while and, and he, and he has the first, for some reason it always takes him a while to get warmed up. And I'm almost a guy who just comes right off the bat and can play like, and it's almost before my conscious mind starts really getting into it. 
And I'm just, it's almost like I'm exploring movement and having fun exploring just hitting the ball. But then it's, it's when the judgments start coming through that mm-hmm. I start screwing up. So it's like the first part of the game, I'm just having fun. I'm excited. We get to play each other again. We haven't, I don't get to see my brother often. And so every time we get together and can do something, um, it's, it's great. And I'm having fun. And, and I, and even with any movement in general training too, if I, if it's fun and I'm exploring it and it's like feels new, it's awesome. But as soon as it, there's judgments passed on it and I start turning it over in my head, it's kind of over. So that's kind of, I, I guess the, the visual I have of when we first start playing is it's just, it's, it's, it's an excitement that we have this opportunity. And so mm-hmm. maybe that feeds into it a little bit too, for me. Hmm. Uh, and where, what is the point when it changes? Like, how do you go from fun to, Oh, I have to win. Yeah. When, when he starts coming online, when I start, basically it's as soon as he starts getting shots in and I have this feeling all of a sudden that he, it's like it sinks in that he's better than me, basically. Like, And he is. He's a better tennis player. I'm a better athlete than him, but he's a better tennis player. And for me, ultimately, like, if I don't win because he was just a better tennis player than me, that's fine. If if I don't win because I was playing great, but now I'm playing terrible because I lost it because my mind got in my way, then that diminishes my experience. I mean, if he beats me and I'm playing great and feeling good and feeling in flow and he still beats me, like... I don't take that. I mean, it's all good. I mean, I'm not going to like be mad at him after the game either way. It's more just a, a, a self-exploration, but I would say it's, um, yeah, like like as soon as I realize that he is better at the game of tennis itself than I am, my uh, everything just becomes more mechanical and judgmental on my part. How do you realize, is it once he pulls ahead in the score? Yeah, usually, yeah, I would say, yeah, that's probably the, the point. As soon as, if I'm up a game or two, as soon as he comes back and comes ahead of me, then it's then it's done. Okay, interesting. All right. Um, so I just want to point out for people listening, obviously not going to fix this right now in just uh, a few minutes here, but uh, you, you, in order for you to get out of the flow game, basically it, it does take him, as you say, coming back online. So he, he starts getting better and you start feeling worse. And once he surpasses you in points, you ha- you said specifically you have this feeling, a sinking feeling. I imagine that's somewhere in your gut, but we'd have to check in to notice more. And that feeling just starts the judgments going in your head. So th- this is your strategy for falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, uh, yeah, Priya, you got it. Yeah, so there, there would be some interventions we could do that could turn this around. Uh, Essentially, we'd want to go earlier in the thing and find a way to run the strategy in a different direction and practice that new strategy uh, until it becomes habit and that takes over. And then you wouldn't necessarily continue to do this same sort of thing. But maybe we can pursue that a little bit later. Um, so let's get back to the anchors for now. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Maybe in the show, notes, I'll, I'll write an article as a follow-up. How I And then when I play my brother again, we'll, we'll, I'll fill you in. Yeah. Okay, so anchors, uh, as I said earlier, it's about state control, and basic states would be happy, sad, mad, but it becomes much more complex than that. For instance, the state we've been talking about here, you know, being in a flow state, which is really a multifaceted state, there's uh, different explorations of that, like in Charles Garfield's uh, Peak Performance, that's a great book that kind of breaks down the different components of that, but also this state of, you know, having the sinking feeling and then the judgments are going, right? That there, There's a state to that. So an anchor is a way, and that could be something that could help with this to transform you from one state to the other. Uh, so getting back into that flow state, you can, an anchor is a thing that 
uh, changes your physiology, changes your state instantly. It can be a kinesthetic gesture, something you do uh, with your fingers or your hands. It can be something you visualize. It can be a phrase you say to yourself. It has to be something specific that you're really only accessing at that certain times. Like the word the is not going to be an anchor just because we come across it all the time. Uh, but a certain phrase absolutely can be. And what this does is it, it really can change you in an instant. As soon as the anchor is fired, it triggers this new state in you. And it's something that can be practiced. This, this is something naturally that happens all the time, but it can also be manufactured in different ways so we can be uh, very specific and control our state. And this is something that's extremely useful to anyone that competes. I've done some different strength competitions like a strongman competition. And what does that involve? That involves like brief, super intense one to two minutes of activity where you're going all out and then like an hour or two of rest <laughs> and being able to modulate your state throughout the day is going to be very important for being able to win because you got to be able to turn it on in an instant right when you need to go. And other than that, you need to relax because if you stay psyched up the whole day, you're not going to have any energy. You're going to have nothing left for the end of it. And of course, different competitions are a bit different, but the, these basic kind of states of psyching up to uh, the activity that you're doing and being able to relax otherwise, very important to do. So uh, doing some anchoring and having greater conscious control of that is going to help most athletes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and I agree. I mean, I, I think I look back to my own you know, tennis, tennis experience or, or any experience, any athletic experience where I wasn't having a good session. And, and I'm just like, man, if I could just kind of have some sort of trigger to get me back online. And uh, so could you talk a little bit about, so what how do we throw these anchors? How do we set these anchors uh, in our own uh, competition or, or training or, or whatever we're trying to accomplish? So we can do it in a sort of a natural way. Uh, that means that when you are naturally in that state, so you're playing tennis and you're feeling good, you're in that flow state, uh, ahead of time you would want to think, okay, what is an anchor that I want to use? Um, I, I like physical gestures because I'm a you know kinesthetic guy, uh, but it can be good to use them across a couple different of the senses. But also, you may not want to do some like grossly overt thing, and especially if you need it like right while you're in the match itself. Uh, if it's just something you could say to yourself internally or visualize real quick, uh, then that doesn't require you to uh, move your position or anything like that. So a couple different ways of doing it. But what would be a phrase? you would want to say to yourself um, that could bring you back into that flow state, let's say for the game of tennis, because the flow state for, although there's similarities in flow states for all activities, there are some differences. So I'd say it's most appropriate to uh, like focus it within one context. Yeah. So a phrase like I would say to kind of get myself back or throw mm -hmm. an anchor, I would say some probably like on point, you know, like on point. Yeah. That, that's okay. Hey, is that me. something you've used before? No, I just thought of it right now. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, and that's probably that's probably good enough. I'd say generally you might want something a little bit longer. Uh, what if you said like I am on point or something like that, uh, that just made it a bit more specific. Yeah, yeah, I could do okay. that too. Yeah, I'm on point. I'm on point, or like, and so our anchors too, like they're so they're very closely related to positive self-talk then. That is one form of anchor, and you can anchor without saying anything to yourself. So, yeah, positive self-talk, that, that can be useful. And in a way, that probably is 
some of the usefulness coming out of it by, by saying to yourself repetitively the same thing over and over. You're reinforcing that state that you want with that. But there are some other aspects to it. And anchors can be in other senses that don't have anything to do with that. So it's somewhat complicated answer. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But so uh, a way you could do this is the next time you're playing tennis and you're feeling good, just uh, say to yourself, I'm on point. And we can make this more specific too. Like you, you're saying it to yourself in a certain way, uh, even though it's internal and there's no actual volume or whatnot, we can imagine it differently. It goes back to the visualization we were talking about. So you might want to have an energized way of saying it. Cause that's going to help with that rather than like, I am on point like Eeyore. It's not going to work out. Right. It's yes. got the wrong energy behind it. So you, you can say that while you're playing it, but we can also do it right here in a sort of a manufactured way. So, when was one of the best, like most flow state times you've ever played tennis before? Yeah, um, well, tennis tennis is really my sport. I mean, I guess I would think about like uh, when I'm playing him and doing well. Uh, I mean, like a good example from my, I played a lot more basketball. Like the most flow state point I was ever in that has a ton of meaning for me is the only dunk I ever had in a basketball yeah. game because I bricked a bunch of dunks. And yeah. I always could. I mean, it's just as soon as I got in the game, I was with the overthink it or whatever but the only one i ever had i i stole the the ball i wasn't planning on dunking it at all i just stole it from the guard who made the inbound or the the off of the wing pass to the shooting guard stole it and i was sprinting away from the guys and the next thing i knew i was hanging on the rim and everyone was you know cheering and screaming and i was running giving high a high five to someone in the stand or something i, I don't even you know like it, it is a very strong <laughs> vision i have it on video so i have it inside and outside so if i was to use a trigger on something that was like the ultimate flow state where my body just did everything it was supposed to um that would be it like that would be what i would try to use okay so once again uh, i would have you go through that visualization but say to yourself i am on point right as you're dunking but you also seem to have like even more emotion as you're high-fiving people so i'd include that too and say the same thing as you're high-fiving people i am on point and just run through that a couple times in your mind I love it. I'm gonna try that before my next. Why? Well, it's yeah. funny. I don't get to play enough sports and, anymore. But I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try that. I'm. I'm excited about um, it. Um, because uh, we did want to kind of focus the application to tennis. I would also just think they don't have to be the the most uh, important things. That's that's good to use it by all means. Use that and take just a couple other times when you play tennis against your brother or something like that. And this way, by using a few different things and running through it, you're you're. Basically, you're building that anchor, and then if you build it solidly here, then you'd be able to trigger it later, and it's going to help to bring about that state. So perhaps with this strategy, you start noticing the next time you're playing, you're doing good in the beginning, but then your brother starts catching up to you, and you start to have this sinking feeling, but then you think, I am on point, and just notice how that shifts something. That would be an example of how you can use an anchor. Perfect. Um, you mentioned there was a kinesthetic behind it. So you would do like a hand motion or like is, is there body like language that would accompany the anchor that you had mentioned? Yeah. And you can choose whatever works for you. For instance, uh, for entering a relaxed state, an anchor that I use is touching the, on my left hand uh, the three middle fingers to my thumb. And I just do that right here. And I'm already feeling a bit more relaxed. Um, another anchor I've used is specifically with deadlifting. It, it's really silly and whatnot, but I, it, I call it like locked and loaded. I kind of uh, grab my 
uh, left elbow with my right hand and do that noise and like I'm uh, racking a shotgun or something <laughs> and I do that and I feel this energy come up because yeah even right now I'm just doing it and I'm noticing it uh, that I'm, I'm ready to pick up something heavy off of the ground uh, so those are a couple examples but you can use all kinds of things uh, once again it depends if you're trying to do it like during a game or you're against people you don't want to do something super weird so keeping it internal works really well but otherwise you know I'm mostly in my gym by myself so I don't care if I'm making a <laughs> fool of myself oh right on I've heard is this true like the weirder the 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 the, the thing you're doing is like the more power it has like it's something that's that's a little more out there might have more power or potency to it I wouldn't say necessarily I mean it, it could in some ways because it may like instill a little bit of fun in there uh the one thing is making sure it is unique um if you are doing some things that aren't like you can't just you know point at someone that's not going to be an anchor because you point otherwise in your daily life so uh by having something that is unique that that definitely is an important aspect to it huh. yeah that makes perfect sense it makes me just think about like pro baseball and all the weird superstitions they have right. i mean it's like them just making anchors yeah it's all anchors yeah yeah that's crazy and yeah, there can be superstitions behind them and whatnot, but you know, if it works, it works. <laughs> Absolutely. That's one thing I've definitely learned about this industry is if, if it works, it works. And it's, it's amazing to look at the power of the mind in that regards too. And, and uh, yeah, I, I love it, man. Well, Hey, I, um, I think that that actually wraps up the questions I have for you really well. I think covering the, the visualization hypnosis, the anchors, uh, and then a little bit of the self-talk there. And now I have some new tools next time I am able to play tennis with my brother. And, you know, <laughs> if he beats me, that's fine. But I think maybe I'll be in a better flow state so I'll play better and be happier with myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, right. I'm excited about that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, definitely keep me updated on how it goes. Yeah. Logan, where, where can people learn more about you? Website, social media, uh, what things you're up to? How can they find you? Uh, legendarystrength.com that's my main website where I talk about strength training and all this mental stuff uh, I am on social media uh, like Instagram strongmanlogan um, legendarystrength on Facebook so I'm available and you'll find links from that website I'll also mention uh, Lost Empire Herbs that's my other business something we haven't even talked on mm -hmm. here but another of the aspects of uh, really accelerating performance I found that uh, the Tonic herbs from across the world can make um, some pretty powerful changes in people's lives and performance. So that's something else I got into that can uh, really make an impact. Excellent, Logan. Well, hey, it was awesome talking to you today. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. That does it for another episode. Thanks for tuning in today. We really appreciate your listenership, and I am thankful and grateful to have such a diverse spectrum of brilliant guests to highlight those who have been on this show. I love just hitting all these different corners of the field, and to me, things would be boring if I just did one thing, if we just covered speed or plyos or strength training or, or what have you, and the mental aspects run so deep, and what's awesome is it's applicable to anything, so whether you're, you know, I'm assuming you're a coach if you're listening to this, but also in business and speaking, 
in, in pretty much anything in life, this stuff resonates. So I'm excited that we were able to do this show. Hope you liked it. If you enjoyed uh, what we're doing, please don't hesitate. Leave us a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you're listening to. Also, don't forget to visit our sponsor, simplyfaster.com, suppliers of high-end training technology. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good one.